welcome to episode 226 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I am actually recording right now in the Monster Kid Radio mobile headquarters. Monster Kid Radio Mobile. Okay, actually, I'm just in my car driving to the Dorado Films office. Doing it in the middle of the day when traffic is a little thick, so I thought, you know what, let's get the recorder out and record the intro of this episode. I said it was episode 226, but I'm also calling it How to Make a Monster Kid Radio, episode number one. This is going to be a behind-the-scenes episode. Tell you a little bit about what I do as a monster kid, how I put the show together, some trivia, some bits and pieces about what I go through to do what I do. I think it'll be fun. Now, this is not going to be a regular thing. I'm not going to do this all the time on Monster Kid Radio proper. However, if you do like this particular episode, this particular podcast, you know, if we hit a particular milestone in our Patreon campaign, we're going to do one of these once a month. So, something to think about. In addition to giving you a behind-the-scenes look of Monster Kid Radio and me, we also have a little bit of feedback. We got a voicemail from Stephen D. Sullivan. We'll do that at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. As I said, I'm driving down to Dorado Films. Now, longtime listeners of the show and people who follow me on Facebook have either heard or read me talk or type a lot about Dorado Films. That was awkwardly said. Anyway, Dorado Films is your home for European gold from the silver screen. They have hundreds and hundreds of European film in their catalog. They own a ton of awesome movies, movies that you've probably heard of if you're paying attention to Monster Kid Radio, because we've covered a couple of their movies in the past. We've crashed a couple of their movies when we've orchestrated screenings at the Joy Cinema of some Dorado Films product. It's mostly movies from the 60s and the 70s. There's a few outliers here and there. Most of it's European. Some of it's imported into Europe and then dubbed into a European language. It's fascinating. I've learned a lot about the distribution side of cinema from working at Dorado Films. It's something that I really enjoy doing. I head out there once a week, and this week I'm heading out there on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, this recording is actually happening the day before this podcast goes out. Not because I waited to the last minute, but, well, you know, real life gets in the way. And I didn't record last weekend for this, mainly because last weekend I actually recorded three different sessions for upcoming episodes of Monster Kid Radio. Talk a little bit about that here in a little bit, too. Anyway, back to Dorado Films. Primarily, they have European crime, sword and sandal films, Euro spy, a ton of spaghetti westerns. And I've liked a lot of what I've seen out there doing work for them. I get a chance to screen a number of their movies while we're doing some transfers, some cleanups. One of the things that I do for them is digital poster restoration, taking a lot of these classic movie posters and making them look as good as possible. Because, let's face it, a lot of these posters... You know, they've been around since the 60s and 70s, and they've been used repeatedly in various cinemas, and you know they're not always in the best of shape. But by the time I'm done with them, they look a lot better, and that's been a lot of fun, too. I'm fascinated by copyright law, public domain, entertainment law, trademarks. This is a field of knowledge that I did not expect to fall in love with, and I can trace it back to the beginning of my working with Dorado Films when I started learning things like... How Horror Express may not really be in the public domain. Anyway, I'm rambling a lot about Dorado. I mean, sure, I'm heading out to the office, so it's on my mind. But I'm also working on getting the Dorado Films podcast off the ground. This is going to be a monthly show highlighting at least one movie from the Dorado Films collection. And I can tell you the very first episode of the Dorado Films podcast will be a spotlight episode on the movie 
Argo Man, the Fantastic Superman. I've talked about that here on the show in the past. I love this movie. It is probably my favorite film from the Dorado Films catalog that I've seen. Not sure why. You know, it's not in me. It's not something that you would think I would be drawn to, but I love it. Got an interview with Roger Brown in that episode as well. And of course, I'll talk about that here on MKR when that gets closer. You know what? This is a lot of talk about European cinema, and that's not necessarily what you came to Monster Kid Radio for. So let's talk classic monster movies. I still have a few minutes before I get to the office. I mentioned that pesky day job a little bit ago. Well, I work a full-time job. I work four 10-hour shifts, and because I take public transportation and I get an hour lunch, I am gone from home for about 12 to 13 hours, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I don't have a lot of time for Monster Kid Radio production or even monster movie consumption when I'm at home, which means I end up watching a lot of these movies on the bus, on my Kindle, or my iPod, and a lot of times I'll take my laptop with me as well and actually do the editing on the bus ride in and home. I do the bulk of my recordings, the big sessions with guests talking about a specific movie, on the weekends, like I said, this last weekend I had three recording sessions with some people you might know. Nicholas Hatcher came by to talk about The Mummy's Tomb. Tom Bigler returns to Monster Kid Radio and he talked about First Men in the Moon. And finally, Casey Criswell appears on Monster Kid Radio. He and I talked about Doctor Who, The Daleks Invasion, 2150 AD, I think that's the title. The second Doctor Who film with Peter Cushing. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. But, you know, I have so much fun doing it, I don't care. And what was nice is that Tom had the decency to live in the same time zone as I, which means I didn't have to get up three hours earlier to record with him, Casey. Just just saying. I like to try to get ahead on my recordings and schedule multiple recordings for the weekend so that I'm not doing recordings every single weekend. Not that I mind talking about monster movies. I mean, that's what I love doing. If I could find a way to make that the day job, well, you know I would. But the medical benefits, the health insurance that goes along with podcasting, it's non-existent. So that's not really the work. The work is just getting up early and making sure I get the recording done without cutting into the rest of the weekend. Because, you know, we got real life, other family responsibilities, things like that. When I get to start the day with a recording, though, that makes the weekend even that much more sweet. Some people have asked how I record. Well, when I do a recording session, typically it's through Skype. I use a Skype recorder to capture the call, and then I take that resulting conversation and recording and turn it into what you hear on the episode. The way my Skype recording software is set up is that it typically begins recording as soon as I start the call. So a lot of times I'll get some, I don't know, introductory chit-chatter front matter. And I still do the countdown thing and recording in three, two, one, but... The recording, the gear is already going, and I just find it easier to let it go instead of trying to go in and mess with the settings because I don't want to undo something and impact the recording sessions later. Along those same lines, when the conversation's over, we don't just hang up. There's usually a little bit of chit-chatter at the end as well. And again, the Skype recording software is recording the call. Like when this happened, when I had Frank Shilden around the show, Back in June, and I'm going to play that because I'm about to get to the office here at Dorado, so I'm going to turn off the recorder and get to work. And, yeah, when um, I'll let you know, and we can talk uh, either Hammer or, or Dennis Wheatley or whatever. Sure. Yeah, because I love Hammer. Oh, yeah. I love Hammer so much. <laughs> the really bizarre moment was when I started writing that character that I mentioned earlier of um, the character from uh, – Captain Kronos, a minor little character, uh, Sarah Durwood. I actually did a whole chapter with her that was just a pleasure. Wow. 
I lucked out with this book. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds amazing. It sounds like you just kind of, I mean, I don't want to say the word stumbled upon it because that sounds like it was, you know, you weren't really paying attention. But I mean, it really is. I really, I had no clue this character existed. I stumbled on it thanks to JM and, you know, A led to B. I mean, you know, I wrote a short story based on the character. That's a story, I, should, I guess I should have mentioned it was a part of uh, the Tales of the Shadowmen. But that, uh, I actually had Garul go to China and he met up with uh, the uh, Dracula that was a part of the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we have the Seven Golden Vampires, but being me, I can't leave it at that. So I had, instead of uh, Van Helsing and that crew fighting, I took characters out of Chinese and uh, Kung Fu movies and uh, and all of that and had uh, had a whole lineup led by Bruce Lee. Uh, it was very obviously Bruce Lee. Uh, Bruce <laughs> Lee, uh, all from different periods, but JM just let me run with it. I had uh, Jackie Chan is in there, Gordon Liu from the Master Killer movies. I had all wow. of these famous characters of uh, uh, from Chinese Kung Fu movies and all of that. Um, including a an actor who had a very amazing physique he was known as the, the Hercules of Chinese movies he was just he was he was this actor who had this unbelievable physique and he he had good fighting skills for, for the movies and he would always be the guy that it, that was kind of arrogant because he had that kind of face and he always ended up dying in every movie oh no and some of them he would be like, he can't be beaten, and he would get killed like in the next scene, so I had to do that. It's like, I have to kill this man, just because it's so popular to do. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun story. I got to write Jet Li, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, all in one scene. That sounds amazing. And, oh, and again, congratulations on the Rondo Award. I'm so happy for you. I mean, you know, I really wanted you to win. Well, I appreciate that. No, it's I, I've been on the ballot for years for various things, and uh, to actually get it was just amazing to me. So, well, you know, it's one of those things where when it happens, you're happy for it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's you know, you didn't do it, you didn't go crazy trying to get people to vote for you. So that was awesome too. Yeah, I was trying more to just promote anybody who's ever been on the show who got nominated. You know, like yeah. I really, I was really pushing for that Karloff play and. You know, I just I was really hoping that you know some Monster Kid Radio guests would actually win. That I won was just wow. So yeah, you you had my vote. You had my Thanks, vote. Man. And you announced it, ah, please. It's my pleasure. My yeah, pleasure. I appreciate it, man. I do. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Oh, anytime you want to do this, I'm happy to be a, be a guest on your shows. Oh, well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. So uh, yeah. So- uh, let me know when it's on, and I'll put it out there for everybody to listen to. I think it'll go out the first week of June. That's what I'm looking at right now. That's good, and then I'll probably re- resell it. I'll send it out again so that people get a second listen in August when the book comes out. Right, and see, I'm, that's what I'm wondering. Maybe I should hold off until we get closer to the book. Well, I'll figure it out. I'll keep you posted. Ah, you can always do it then. Yeah. You can always do it then because it can always just be replayed. No big deal. That's true. It's a podcast. You can listen to it whenever. So That's right. So I'll just put it out there again. So put it in there. It's good. It's uh, We got to talk about Frankenstein. Uh, you know, As far as I'm concerned, the day has already been good. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks well, again. Eric. Thanks again, man. You have a good one, okay? You too. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Well, for you listeners, it was just a couple of minutes, but for me, it was a few hours. I'm now leaving the Dorado Films office. 
got done doing some work for them. And, you know, I'll talk about that on a future episode. Maybe, I don't know. I've been talking a lot about Dorado films, and I love them. But that's not why you're here at Monster Kid Radio. And that's not why Frank came on the show. Although I suspect I could probably talk to Frank about anything. He has become a friend, as has everybody that's been on the show. Speaking of Frank, the book, Quest for Frankenstein, is out now from Black Coat Press. We had him on the show back in the beginning of June, episode 207, and I believe 208. We talked about his book, talked about Frankenstein Monsters. Go check out his book and let him know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. So I'm headed home right now. Today was kind of an abnormal day for me. Wednesday is usually my catch-up day. Get things done around the house, run the chores, do the errands, or is it run the errands to the chore? Anyway, typically Wednesday is my catch-up day to get things done, and I do some show work as well. Like I said earlier, I spend about 13 hours or so a day away from home. Ten of that is working, interrupted by a one-hour lunch, typically, when I'm not working mandatory overtime. And I'd like to say that when I'm not working, I'm thinking about classic monsters, but that's not true. I've got classic monsters on the brain pretty much all the time. I'd like to share with you what a typical day is for Derek at Monster Kid Radio headquarters, a.k.a. my home. Let's say on a Wednesday or a weekend. The night before, you know, after having dinner with my wife and spending some quality time with her and the cats, I will typically load up an episode of one of the various Ultraman series on my Kindle and watch that and go to sleep. The next morning, I'm getting up and I'll probably start the day catching up on email, checking out Facebook, and just seeing what's going on in the classic monster movie community, especially if it's something that I might want to talk about on Monster Kid Radio. For example, there's been some news lately about the Universal Unite, the Universal Monster Relaunch series. I felt like news about that kind of died off a little bit, and I didn't know if that meant that they were not going to go in that direction, but apparently they are. They've been doing a lot of work. They've got some writer's rooms set up. They've got people assigned to various projects, and now they're saying that The Mummy is going to be the first film in this relaunch project. I know there for a little while they were looking at the Dracula movie as being the first, or at least tie into it a little bit. Maybe it's going to be like a prologue or a prequel. Who knows? But it looks like it's back on track. And man, I wish they had made this announcement about a week or two ago, because that would have been an awesome topic to suggest that Rose City Comic Con have as a panel. I was trying to figure out a way to get Monster Kid Radio to Rose City Comic Con as a panelist or a guest. It just didn't happen. I just couldn't think of anything that could be a good tie-in. There wasn't any real classic monster representation in terms of guests and celebrities scheduled to be at Rose City Comic Con. So... I'm going to be going as a fan, and I think I'll be going with at least one person that you've heard on Monster Kid Radio in the past. Tom Doffel and I are talking about going, so that'll be fun. Anyway, back on track. After spending a little bit of time online and having a a large cup of coffee, it's time to move out to the living room, turn on the TV, fire up the DVR, and see what I've got waiting for me. About once a week, I go through the listings on Turner Classic Movies to see if there's any monster movies that are going to be shown on TCM. A lot of times TCM, especially the HD version of the channel, they'll have decent transfers of some of these movies, and I have quite a few built up. I also have quite a few episodes of Svengooly from MeTV. And then the other night, I actually found that the local public access channel shows a horror-hosted show out of Seattle. I believe he's called Professor Fred. I'm not really familiar with him. Never heard of him before, but he was hosting some movies. So I have a good six-hour block of public access TV sitting on the DVR to work my way through. So I'll watch a little bit of that while I'm getting my 
act together for the day. Now, mind you, Derek is much more than just classic monster movies, but not much. I mean, come on. I love this stuff. You guys and gals know that. I wouldn't have a podcast about it if I didn't love this stuff. So, of course, I try to put a lot of this content, this media, into my brain whenever I have an opportunity to do so. Sure, I prefer to watch these movies in one sitting, but sometimes it can take a viewing session or two to get through a movie. Like, for example, I was just watching Killers from Space. I don't think I've seen that one before, and... Well, I've got a project kind of sort of in the works that I needed to know a little bit about that movie for. So I watched it. Peter Graves, Aliens from Outer Space coming down. We're doing a lot of atomic testing, that sort of thing. Fun movie. A few spots here and there that could have been tightened up a little bit. But nonetheless, I'm glad I watched it. Took me a couple of sessions to get through it. But such is my life. Other things I might do during the day is go to YouTube, check out some movie trailers, see if any of the YouTube channels I subscribe to have put out any new content. Dr. Gang Green's channel is one of the channels I go to regularly. I love his fantastic films, events and price series, so I'm always looking at that. And of course, I like to check out Creepy Castle's website as well because, I mean, 24-7 streaming horror-hosted programming, how can you go wrong? Depending on what kind of time I have and what other chores and errands need to be accomplished, I might try to check out a movie that I'll be talking about with a future guest on Monster Kid Radio. I know that last Wednesday I was checking out the Mummy film that I recorded with Nicholas Hatcher about. And a lot of times while I've got a movie on the TV, I'll be sorting my DVD collection because it is out of control. <sighs> I tell you... My journey to being a fan of classic monster movies and becoming the monster kid that, as cheesy as it sounds, I feel like I've always meant to be. <laughs> I look at a lot of the movies that I used to watch, the modern horror, the low-budget horror. It just doesn't do anything for me anymore, you know? I was talking with Brenda, my wife, about this, and I've talked about it with some other close friends over the past several months. I feel like I've got a lot of stuff in my life that doesn't give me joy anymore. And, you know, this may be veering into the overly personal side of things, but over the past year or so, I've made quite a few changes uh, in myself. I feel like I'm still on a pretty incredible journey. I might talk about this more in depth on my personal blog, Plan D, which you can find over at DerekMCook.com. It's just my name.com. But yeah, I've been taking care of myself and really refining what makes me happy. Having folders and folders and folders of movies that I will never, ever watch again doesn't make me happy, doesn't bring me joy, so I'm paring things down and trying to reorganize everything. I keep my movies in folders for the most part, unless it's an awesome box set, and each folder holds about 60 discs. And I've got about 20 folders and stacks and stacks of DVDs that need to be sorted. So, yeah, this is an unending project. In fact, the day that I finally finish reorganizing my DVD collection will probably be the day that... Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe that's going to be the end of my life quest. I, I don't know. Well, that got dark and personal all of a sudden. Let's bring it back up. Let's talk about what else is going on when it comes to Monster Kid Radio. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me about how I record and actually produce the show. I know there are some people out there who 
have asked me about how to get started podcasting. They want to do their own show or they don't know how to do their own show. And it can be intimidating. It's not always easy, but I've always found it rewarding. And honestly, the software and the hardware that I use when I record Monster Kid Radio today is the same software and hardware that I used when I first started podcasting back in 2008. It's not about the tools, it's about how you use them. And I want to pick up this recording once I get back to that software and hardware. So why don't we take a little break? Maybe I'll play a movie trailer or two and I'll talk to you guys and gals right after this. In the diabolical minds of the madman of Bandorus was created the most incredible plot ever conceived to conquer the world. Why did you bring us here, really? In a matter of hours, we will begin the conquest of the world. Phil Day, undercover agent, trapped in the trap he set for the madman of Mandoras. <laughs> Professor Coleman, American scientist, believed his staggering discovery to be a secret. Up to now, anthropine was the only known antidote. The loss or destruction of the formula for this antidote would mean complete annihilation of the world. But he did not reckon with a group of evil men, men who will permit nothing to stop their rule of the world. What unknown force has been created to conquer the world? And which of the madmen pushed the panic button? Somebody's got to get Vorak. I guess it's up to me, Casey. Christopher, what insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but... There are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something from archive.org and review and discuss it. <laughs> that sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to orphan-entertainment.jonja.net and remind yourself a little more about the show. <laughs> Will do. So let's see. That's orphan-entertainment.jonja.net. Hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie sometime? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. From outer space, they came. With a dastardly plan to steal the minds of the youth. Stands in their way in Danny Johnson saves the world. See our hero battle strange invaders in their rampaging metal monstrosity. See prehistoric creatures come to life on the silver screen. 
Alright, I'm back home. Where were we? Oh yeah. The equipment that I use to record is the same equipment that I use in the very beginning of my podcasting... I hate to say the word career, but when I first started back in 2008, I had a boom mic left over from when I used to think I was going to be a filmmaker when I grew up. And I found the program Audacity, which is a free-to-download open-source program. Got myself a USB mixer from the Guitar Center down the street, and I was ready to go. I still use Audacity to this day. When I record, I record at a project rate of 44.1k hertz. And I'm not an audio engineer. I'm not a sound guy. I didn't go to school for any of this. I don't exactly know what that means, to be completely honest with you. But I know that it works. So that's what I try to record at, and I get the quality that I want. And it allows me to take the audio file that I record, change the rate up to 65,000 hertz, and it speeds up the file and allows me to edit my audio quickly. Makes everything sound a little bit like this. Change the rate up to 65,000 hertz, and it speeds up the file and allows me to edit my audio quickly. Makes everything sound a little bit like this. But because the audio is playing back at a faster speed, I'm able to edit at a faster speed. I wouldn't recommend this to people starting off. This was something that I had to learn, and I've just gotten used to it along the way. And then I changed the project rate back down to 44.1k. Now, the audio I export as a wave file, and I run it through a program called Levelator, which evens things out a little bit, makes the really loud parts a little softer, a little soft parts a little louder, and it just evens everything out, making the audio file a little more palatable to your ears. I do the same thing to the recording on the Skype side of the conversation with any of my special guests. I might filter out a little bit of background noise, especially when I'm calling somebody on an actual telephone as opposed to going Skype to Skype. But other than that, that's it. There's not a lot of magic here. Of course, I'm not trying to downplay what we as podcasters do, but you could be a podcaster too, if you want to. I don't record in a studio or anything like that. I actually record in the corner of the dining room of our home. We don't have a dining room table. I guess we kind of sort of have a dining room table, but it's not in the dining room. The dining room is made up of two desks butted up together in this weird L shape. I've got my computer set up on the little part of the L. My wife has her computer set up on the big part of the L. I'm looking at a blank wall just past the monitor, and I've got a few posters up. I've got the lobby card from The Curse of Frankenstein. I have an old Spanish herald from the movie Rodan. And then I have an autographed by the man Randy Bowser poster from Karloff, a one-person play. I've got a few of my press passes hanging off the wall as souvenirs and and of course, a number of CDs, DVDs, and reference books scattered all over the place. Oh, and I've got my reaction action figure of the Go Man from Creature from the Black Lagoon. This was given to me as a gift by Scott and Tracy Morris last, was it Christmas or my birthday? They both happen right next to each other, so I sometimes mix them up together. But yeah, he's sitting here keeping me company as well. In fact, somebody on Facebook just asked if every poll that I post on Facebook will always have the creature from the Black Lagoon as one of the possible answers. And yeah, what can I say? I love that movie. But again, long-time listeners probably already know that because I can't seem to shut up about Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, I miss doing Creature Casts Among Us. That was the one-off, once-a-month show that I was doing about nothing but Creature from the Black Lagoon. And if I can make things work out, I'll bring back that show as maybe a regular Monster Kid Radio episode down the line, just creature-focused, creature-specific 
This is the 60th anniversary year for the movie Revenge of the Creature, which was the sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Maybe I ought to do a Revenge of the Creature show. Maybe a roundtable discussion sometime before the end of the year. We'll see. There's time, right? scientifically study a creature that, by all the laws of nature, should have died a quarter of a million years ago. They dared to bring him back alive from his haunts deep in the jungles of the Amazon. They dared to put him on display with the other denizens of the deep while thousands came to marvel and wonder. You know, I, I pity him sometimes. He's so alone. The only one of his kind in the world. If anything goes wrong, you head straight for the surface, you understand? All right, let's go. They dared to study him, to probe him, to tempt him with the lure of a woman's beauty, thinking that mere chains could hold in check the primeval forces that surged and roiled within this strange being from the dawn of time. Hello, he broke the chain! comes to picking topics for Monster Kid Radio, that's pretty easy because I typically ask the guests what they want to talk about. What movie do they want to bring to the Monster Kid Radio table and discuss on the show? I have put the call out a couple of times. I have, in the past, very rarely put out a call to try to find somebody to talk about a very specific movie. At one point, I wanted to do a They Saved Hitler's Brain, Madman of Menduras double feature episode, but yeah. Typically, people bring to me what they want to talk about, and that works for me because half my job is done. More than half my job is done because if you talk to me about a movie that you like, I'm going to have a hard time getting my own thoughts in, and I love it. I love having all the different voices on the show. It's not uncommon when I'm editing something for Monster Kid Radio that the track that shows my voice gets a lot less activity than the track that shows the guest voice, and that's how it should be. Monster Kid Radio is about celebrating the fandom of these movies, and if you weren't a fan, I wouldn't want you on the show, you know? Even doing the Planet of the Apes movies with Scott Morris was something that came out of an idea that he had over a year ago at this point, it seems like. It's been a while. 
The work that I put in is watching these movies, like that's work, and then doing the editing. I've said a couple of times on Facebook recently that I love the art of podcasting. I love the medium. I love the media, and I love meeting other podcasters and learning from what they do. And to be able to combine my love of podcasting with my love of classic monster movies, this is a real treat for me to explore this subgenre that, you know, I feel like doesn't get as much attention as it deserves in the modern podcasting arena. And really, I know it's a niche subject, but I also found, but I've also found over the years that this particular subgenre, if we can even really call it a subgenre, since it's really just history, you know, historical film, this particular area of film has some of the most passionate fans. And that's something that I try to ask a lot of creators that come on the show. I asked Ron Adams about this in the last episode. What is it about this subgenre that drives people to create more than any other subgenre of films? You don't see romantic comedy film conventions. You don't see somebody doing a one to six scale sculpture of Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze from Dirty Dancing, for example. But you will see somebody putting together a bust of something as obscure as, I don't know, the hideous sun demon. Not that that's overly obscure, at least not as far as our audience is concerned. But I think you get my point, right? I've had a number of authors on the show that continue to write fiction in the classic style. Randy Bowser's Karloff play. Filmmakers like Christopher R. Mim or Joe DiMero, it just blows my mind that this area of film has driven so many creators to create in their own given medium, whether it's film or something entirely different. I know my own writing efforts have more to do with the classic style than anything else, and I love it. Anyway, what else happens in the typical day here at Monster Kid Radio headquarters? You know, if I'm not watching a movie or editing a show or moving files from one computer to another, thanks Dropbox. I do need to spend a little bit of time online looking for music to play on the show. I love my surf music. Instrumental surf and monster movies seem to go hand in hand. I don't know why that is, but I love opening episodes of Monster Kid Radio with new music, at least new to me music, and hopefully, in some cases, new to you as well. And there is so much amazing instrumental surf music being produced today that I don't think I'm ever going to run out of material or bands to approach about being on the show. About once a week, I go to Bandcamp and just look for new surf bands putting out new music. And then if there's music that I enjoy, I try to connect with them either through Facebook or their own website or even through Bandcamp itself. And honestly, with rare exception, if a band gets back to me, it's usually to say yes, we can play their music on the podcast. I know I say this at the end of every episode of Monster Kid Radio. Head over to our website, look at the bands and songs link, check out the music that's appeared here on the show. Every one of those bands has given us the okay to play their music, so of course we want to support them as well. If you buy an MP3 through their Bandcamp page, it's usually just a couple bucks, cheaper than a gourmet cup of coffee, and you're going to be able to listen to this music over and over again. It'll be part of your own personal life soundtrack, and of course it always helps our case if you tell them that you heard about them over at Monster Kid Radio. I also go over to surfguitar101.com and hang out on the message boards over there because a lot of bands will announce their new music and new releases in those forums, the Insanitizers that appeared here on the show a couple of weeks ago, I found them through those message boards. Dance, 
do you make of this? Where does the other end go? It dumps into the ocean. It looks exactly like the South American Fantigua fish. I hope you can take one alive, Sheriff. I still believe that a human clawed that girl to death. The Beach Girls and the Monster. Starring John Hall, Sue Casey, and the glamorous Watusi dancing girls from Hollywood's famed Whiskey-A-Go-Go nightclub. Music by Frank Sinatra, Jr. You got a monster in the turf. Chicks, do you have a problem? You won't have after you meet the monster on the beach. If you see this ghoul, play it cool. Beauties in bikinis, laughing, singing, surfing, sinning. Beach party lovers making hey hey in the moonlight while the monster waits and watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one will kill you. I wanted to break things up there with another movie trailer. You know, I pull a lot of the audio from the movie trailers from YouTube itself. And since most classic movie trailers are in the public domain, it's all good. I have noticed that a lot of movie trailers from the 30s and the 40s specifically fail to mention the name of the movie itself in the trailer, which of course makes it kind of pointless to use in an audio podcast. I think that's why I like doing the top three episodes so much, because with the top three monster movie this, monster movie that episode, I can get away with playing a trailer that doesn't mention the name of the movie itself, because in the conversation I'm having with the guest... The title of the movie comes up that way. Speaking of top three episodes, I had Mitch Gonzalez on the show on episode 212 at the end of June, and he and I talked about our favorite top three monster movie robots. He had just created the Hunter robot for the movie Danny Johnson Saves the World, and I thought it'd be fun to talk robots with him. And it was. And apparently it was fun for Stephen D. Sullivan as well, because he called it. Hey, Derek, this is Steve Sullivan. Stephen D. Sullivan of books, comics, games artwork, that kind of stuff. You know me. I keep forgetting to call and talk about this, but I wanted to comment on your top ten robots list. Uh, and I've got a, a kind of a different top three. I guess it wasn't top ten. It was top three, wasn't it? Anyway, I've got a, a different top three than you guys, so I thought I'd chime in with it. Number three on my list would be Robot John from Planeta Berg, the Russian film that then became Voyage to the Planet of prehistoric women and voyage to the prehistoric planet in the Corman universe. And that robot is really, really cool and looks looks functional. It doesn't look a whole lot like a, a guy in a suit because it's got some cool attachments and, and cool ways it, it moves and stuff. So that's my number three. Number two would be the obvious Robbie the robot, and that's Robbie from the movie because TV robot does not qualify, even though in many ways TV robot is a cooler robot, and he was uh, designed by the same guy as Robbie, but he's a TV robot, not a movie robot, so Robbie gets the nod there. And my number one, which I can't believe neither of you mentioned, is the Maria bot from Metropolis, the best robot in all of film history, and in some ways, the prototype for all of the rest of the robots ever. So the Maria Bot from Metropolis is my number one. The show's great. Keep up the good work. I'll talk to you real soon. Bye. I have to agree with his number two pick. Solid choice. 
I want to address his number one and his number three, though. Let's start with number one, the robot from Metropolis. How did this miss our list? I have no idea. I even have a Metropolis-themed T-shirt. This is a bonafide classic, one of the most important science fiction films of all time, and I would even go as far as saying probably one of the most important films, period, of all time. If you haven't seen Metropolis, man... You are missing out. I don't know why we didn't even think about that one. For some reason or other, it just didn't come up. I'd have to check with Mitch, but I have no excuse for myself. As far as Robot John goes, I have to admit, I wasn't familiar with Robot John. I knew that the Roger Corman films, uh, The Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet and Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women, were put together primarily with footage from a Russian science fiction film, but I had never seen the Russian science fiction film. And I think I've only seen those other two Corman films once in the past. So I'm not overly familiar with them, but it sounds like I should be, or at least I should give them another look. It sounds like I need to see the Russian version of the film though. Planeta Burr. Is that how it was pronounced, Steve? It translates to planet of storms. Maybe an in-depth episode of Monster Kid Radio can involve me taking a look at that film and then looking at the two Roger Corman films and comparing all three of them. If only I knew somebody who really, really likes the robot in that film. Hmm. Well, I do have Steve scheduled for an upcoming recording session or two here on the podcast. He's a big fan of big monsters. He loves well, all monster movies, really, but he has a special affinity for kaiju films. Being the author of the novel Daikaiju Attack, he's been wanting to talk about a couple of kaiju films with me here on the show. So, maybe after we do that, Maybe Steve and I can plan a couple of episodes covering this Russian film and then the two Corman films. No, I haven't talked to Steve about this yet. This will be the first time he's heard it. So, Steve, drop me a line. I don't know how long this episode's going. I haven't even looked at the audio that I recorded earlier in the car. It's going to take a little bit of editing. There were a few ums and uhs and a few speed bumps here and there that I want to take out before the final product goes out. But I feel like this has been a decent-sized episode of How to Make a Monster Kid Radio. Hopefully it passes for a decent episode of Monster Kid Radio itself. If you want to learn more about Monster Kid Radio, you can check out our website over at monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about the podcast. I mentioned the songs link where you can find every piece of music that's appeared here on the show, every band that's given us the okay to play their music, spotlight their tunes. Well, you can check them out that way. We have links to our Patreon store where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show Financially, anywhere from $0.35 cents to $10 a month. If we can get to the $100 per month milestone, we'll make this How to Make a Monster Kid Radio episode a regular feature with more behind-the-scenes, maybe even some bloopers, pre- and post-recording conversations. You know, we're less than $25 a month away from that milestone, so if you've considered getting involved in our Patreon campaign, well, there you go. We also have a link to our Facebook group over on Monster Kid Radio. Now, the group is where the conversations happen between listeners, between episodes. This is also where the Facebook poll exists. So if you are a Facebook user and you want to get involved in the poll, this is where you go. For this month's poll, since Ron Adams from the Monster Bash discussed how the release of the Monster US postage stamps in 1997 was so important to the start of Monster Bash itself, I wanted to know what other classic movie monsters you'd like to see on a US postage stamp. If you're a Facebook user and want to participate in the poll, well, join the group. We also have a Facebook page. Now, I don't have a link to this on the website itself. I should, but it's just facebook.com slash monsterkidradio. And 
Joe DiMero has a dream. He has a dream that Monster Kid Radio is going to get 1,000 likes by the end of August. So again, if you're a Facebook user, look us up. Give us a like. Help Joe's dreams come true, would you? Our contact information is also on our website. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. You can subscribe to the Monster Rally Checkpoint, which is the monthly e-newsletter that I put out with monster movie trivia, original content, articles, announcements about upcoming events here on Monster Kid Radio. For last month's release, I reviewed the documentary Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction, which was produced by the Kaiju Cast's Kyle Yount. If you are a supporter of our Patreon campaign at the Toho level or higher, you get the Monster Rally Checkpoint earlier in the month than everybody else. Everybody else gets it at the end of the month. You can subscribe to it right there at monsterkidradio.net. It's over on the right-hand side. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, I haven't quite decided yet. Like I said, I have three recordings in the digital can already. And this weekend, I've got three more recordings scheduled. Well, only two are for Monster Kid Radio. But I'll be talking about War of the Gargantuas with the Gigantic Project's Tony Wendell. And the Time Machine with Christopher Page from Orphaned Entertainment. One of those episodes might make the cut next week. I'm also recording with Casey and Scott for an upcoming episode of 1951 Down Place. But that's a different podcast, different feed, different time. Thanks for indulging me on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll look forward to having you back here next week. If you are an iTunes user and you subscribe to the podcast that way, we certainly would love your iTunes review. If you subscribe to the show through some other podcast directory, of course, a thumbs up or a review there would be great. Please feel free to share the link on Facebook, retweet the tweets, and do whatever it is Google Plus does when new episodes of Monster Kid Radio go out. Help spread the word and boost the monster signal to Dr. Frankensteinian proportions. Is that an adjective? Frankensteinian? It should be. It is now. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Talk to everybody next week. <laughs>